This message is brought to you by ABC Church in Ammonford, West Wales. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org. Well, good morning, everybody. If it's your first time in church this morning, we give you a warm welcome. And if you're joining us online, thanks for taking the time to listen. Happy Mother's Day, mums. Happy Mother's Day. You girls are amazing just the way you are. As we heard from Karis, and uh, I thank God for Ruth, who's the best mother on earth, uh, raising our three girls, and uh, I really appreciate you, Ruth, and, and all that you do. So, it falls to me to give you a Mother's Day message today, and as is the usual habit, what most church pastors do is they jump into the Bible, and they talk about certain mothers that are in the Bible, and preach some kind of truths out of it that we can reflect on our lives and that's what I want to do today. I thought, shall I do something different? But I tried to kind of just pray about it. And, you know, the, uh, I've got some things that I want to share on my heart today. They're not just for mothers. They're actually for parents in general. And they're actually for all of us here. So is that okay? Mums, dads, single, widowed, uh, looking for love, wherever you find yourself, this is a message for you today. Is that good? But it is a message about a mother. So as I was preparing, I'm thinking, what kind of, who could I preach about? I could, I could preach about the mother of Moses. Shout out the name. <coughs> jockey bed. Yeah, what a great name, eh? Any jockey beds in the room right now? No, not a very popular name. Jockey bed, the woman with a plan. Oh, I could speak about the mother of Jesus. Who was it? Mary. The woman who was blessed. Any Marys in the house today? Yeah, there's a Mary. There's something about Mary, isn't there? Yeah. Or we could play, or we could, I don't know, Leah and, come on, Leah and what was? Rachel. Yeah. Two mums in the Bible. The mums who shared. And a share a husband. Can you imagine that? Girls, can you imagine one husband is enough, but can you imagine having to share him? Actually, most of you are going, yeah, I wouldn't mind that, actually. She can have him one week, I'll have him. Actually, she can have him for 50 weeks, I'll have him for two. That'll do for me, eh? That's what you're thinking. But the woman I want to speak to you about today that's in the Bible is a woman called Rebecca. Any Rebecca's in the house? No. Good. Thank goodness for that. Because the message today is called The Power of Fairness. The Power of Fairness. I don't know about you, but has any of you ever been blamed for something you've not done? Come on, hands up. That ever happened to you? Oh, it's not good at all, is it? It's not good. The pain sometimes of injustice. You know, in our country, sadly, as much as I love our justice system and all that we have, sometimes there are miscarriages of justice, aren't there? There's unfairness where people are wrongly imprisoned and people that are wrongly accused. And, you know, it's one of the things that I feel most passionate about, that everybody has the right to justice. Do you agree? Everybody has the right to fairness. Do you agree? Everybody has the right to be loved. Do you agree? Well, we're going to get on just fine this morning in this message then called The Power of Fairness. I need two, three volunteers that will help me today. So is there any volunteers here that have a passionate passion maybe for chocolate? 
and maybe have a passionate for cream eggs. Can I ask, how do you eat yours? Oh, just look at the hands go up all over the auditorium this morning as people are saying. Okay, so I've suddenly got hands uh, in the air like you just don't care. Come on in, Emrys, come out here. You're clearly a chocoholic the way you didn't put your hand in the air, but you were also waving it frantically. Is that okay? <laughs> Lovely. How old are you, Emrys? 14. 14. Emrys is 14. Fantastic. Uh, you had your hand in the air as well, I think, did you, uh, Abby? Come up here then, Abby. Abby was baptised on Friday night. Whoa. Did you enjoy being baptised Friday night? Yeah. Yeah. It was amazing. That's what she said to me. Oh, oh, Phil, it was amazing being baptised. I can ask, how old are you? 13. You're 13 as well. Hands up in the air again then. I need one more volunteer. Is there anybody there? Oh, I can see one over there. Dawn McGuinness. Give, give her a round of applause. She'll do anything with chocolate. Come up here, Doc. Come on, move across here. Move across here. Anything for a Cadbury's cream egg. Other forms of egg are also available. Okay, just so I'm, we're clear here. And, and you are Dawn. And I'm sorry, I'm not... We've got 14... Uh, sorry, 13. We've got 14. I won't ask because it's impolite. Are you older than those two? A little bit. A little bit older than those two, yes. Uh, so should we say she's um, 14 plus VAT delivery taxes? <laughs> oh, did I just say that? Did I, did I just say that? So there we are. Come on, let's find these cream eggs that are in here. Look, look, there's a bag full of them here. So we won't go for all of them. We'll, we'll share out these cream eggs, shall we? Yeah. Will that be okay as we share them out? Fantastic. There we are. You're the eldest. Give him a round of applause as you take a seat. Come on, give him a round of applause. Oh, 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 one second, one second, one second. One second, C come back then. I sense a feeling of injustice in the room as I just give all three cream eggs to the eldest. I'm seeing Emrys like, he's got his hand out there. Thinking, like, how can you do that? We'd never do that. No, okay, so should we do it fairly? Yes, fantastic. And big round of applause for Emrys. He's the man. He's the man. So he gets them all. Is that okay? Big round of applause for Emrys. Okay. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Come back then. Come back then. Okay. Dare I say this? At the, we've been in the grasp of Brexit. Shall we go for a people's vote in the house? Right now, should we? Should we? <laughs> Let's go for a people's vote. Um, a people's vote is called a referendum. We've already had one, so shall we ask right here now if we were to take a democratic vote here in the house? How many of you think that the eldest should have them all? Can you please put your hands up? And just Dawn puts a hand up. Yeah, <laughs> there we are. Okay, interesting. So we don't think it would be fair for just the eldest person to have all three of these cream eggs. Agreed? Yeah. Are we agreed? All those in favour say aye. aye. The eyes have it. The eyes have it. Unlock. Right, okay. So let's go. How many of you think that the man amongst the ladies should have them all? Do you agree? Look at that. Oh. I hope they're pseudo-misogynists that we have there. 
that are just doing it just to be objective, but officially, I'm afraid, there were four votes in the room, I think, that I saw. Hands up again, gentlemen, those of you that are... Oh, look, it's just gone up a more now. Okay, right, I think, I think there's about seven of you there, seven of you there, and those against? There we are. The nays have it. The nays have it, so that's against, that's carried. Um, but how many of you think we could go another way? And how's about I just give one each? Do you think that's okay? Hands up, those in favour. Look at them shouting, aye, aye. And those against? There we are. Okay, so we have four against and the majority are four. That's called a democratic process. Democratic might be even, but that's a democratic process. There we are. All done. Sorry, lads. You'll just have to accept the people's vote that was carried out today. Disappointed as we are for you, that's the way it is. Can you give them a round of applause, if you would? Fantastic. Now then, you're probably... Th Pardon? <laughs> I'm not even going to go there if you're not happy with the outcome and won't accept it, okay? But... This is how society is supposed to work. More importantly, this is how families are supposed to work. And this is how people are supposed to operate. We are supposed to be up operating in fairness all the time. Now, the challenge with fairness, or the challenge with the more complicated word for it, is justice. Justice. The, the challenge with justice is sometimes there are people that win and sometimes there are people that lose. I don't know, when I was in my house and dad would make a decision that, you know, it had to be me that would get up at 5 a.m. and go and do the fest posts or whatever with him instead of my brother Michael. I would feel the sense of injustice. And I didn't feel that same sense of injustice when my dad, always in fairness, on the, uh, the following Saturday would pick Michael up out of bed at 4 a.m. in the morning or whatever it is and go and get the sheep. I thought that kind of justice where Michael was picked instead of me was perfectly okay. Do any of you like that kind of justice and because the reality of it all is we are all listen to me here now okay I'm going to say something that's really important even though that we are Christians and even though we try as best as we can to love the Lord our God with all our hearts with all our strength with all our soul and even if you're not a person of faith and you live the second part of the golden laws, it's called in the Bible, where you love everybody else like yourself, that you love your neighbor. You might be listening online and you're not a person of faith, but you might be a person that maybe believes that we should treat everybody with fairness. Well, that's great until that person becomes your enemy, isn't it? And in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, amazing, amazing sermon, he changes the whole course of history. And he changes the whole course of, this, uh, of history by introducing this principle that he was the first person to introduce. And the principle was this, and he says in Matthew chapter 5, he says, You have heard it said, love your neighbor, but I say unto you, love your enemy. Whoa. Now that's a little bit tough, isn't it? And see, although we are all Christians, and although we should do all of this thing, and can I do a confession? 
as a pastor of the church here, I know I should be holy, and I know you expect lots of me, but believe it or not, do you know I sin sometimes? Do you know that sometimes I put my interests before others? But don't judge me, because you judge yourself. And I'll tell you what, I could grab my phone here now, and I could take a picture, right? I could take a picture, and I could uh, grab a, a selfie, and I could take it, I could gra grab a bunch of 20 of you up here, and I could take a picture of us in a selfie and say, smile, and we take a picture. And then I'd share that picture on Facebook. I'll show you how selfish you are, and I'll show you how selfish I am, because it's at the core of who we are as people. When you see that picture, tell me, who do you look for in the picture first? If there's a group of 10 people, come on, be honest with me. Who do you look for in the picture first? Yourself. You look for yourself. So do I. How selfish of me. And the thing is this, I'm going to go further. If Andrea is next to me in a picture, and she's looking away to the left and got one eye closed, but I am stood next to her, looking dashing with a great smile, I'm still going to post it, aren't I? Because I look good. Doesn't matter about everybody else. Come on, are we, am I being real with you? So not only, not only in a picture, it can be a school photo where the camera starts. Remember those? I, they don't do it anymore. But I used to love those photos. Come on, guys. How many of you tried to do it? Mr. Robinson was the teacher in our teacher that used to, in our class that used to stop the runners because in photography back in the days in like 1846 when I was in school, the camera would pan from left to right and he would always try and be this side of the picture if you could and the camera starts to go across because everybody's saying smile and we would all as lads, right, get on the back, run as quick as you can, see if you can jump on the end and be in the photograph twice. And all the millennials in the room are going like, what's he on about? What is it? Sorry, guys, that, uh, that's how photography used to be in the 1800s. But there was this thing. But it didn't matter. You've got your school photo right now of you in the classroom. How many of you love it? And how many of you hate it? It'll be the decision of whether you love it or hate it will be if you look good in it. I'm sorry. And I'm just being real and I'm being honest because it appeals to the very heart of who we are as people because we do have favorites starts with me and we do put others first we put others that are kinder to us we've got all kinds of selection criteria and that's what Rebecca did as we turn to the scriptures this morning it's a weird passage of text and we're going to take three principles of it that are in the foundation of love, which is the ultimate form of power that should be in justice and fairness in all that we do. And that's why love is the greatest thing in the world. That's why love, and Paul speaks in Corinthians, doesn't he, about love, if it has no action, if it has no follow-through. If you tell me you love me, well, show me. Act it out. So let's turn to the scripture together. And we're going to go to Genesis chapter 25. And we're going to go to this fascinating text. And as we read through the text, I'm going to just um, set this up for you. Because, do you know, there are lots of people that read the Bible. And they read it like a fable. 
And there are parts of the Bible that are very poetic. You know, the Bible isn't one book. It's actually 66 books. And some of them are like an autobiography, or they're like a story about someone. If you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they are the autobiography, if you want, about Jesus that lived on earth, written by a guy called Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They are each writing their story of what happened when Jesus was on the earth. And so some bits of it are the same when you read it and say, oh, that story there about the feeding of the 5,000, that's there, and it's there. Okay, that's John's account, that's Mark's account, and that's Matthew's account. And there are, that's how the Gospels work. But there are other bits of the Bible, like the Pentateuch, the beginning of the Bible, the first five books that are written by Moses, and those books are very historic. They're about things that happened for real. And they are, there are other books then that are poetic that are in it, things like Songs of Solomon and Psalms and I will keep thee as the apple of mine eye. That's not literal, is it? The earth is his footstool about God. It's not literal. And the challenge that we have with interpreting the text sometimes is people take things to be literal that aren't. And they also take things to be unliteral, the opposite. Do you follow what I'm on about? Okay, so this bit here is real. Like the flood, it's real. It actually happened. And so if you want to kind of, you know, that's the whole Part of the, the whole point of studying our Bible is so that we can understand and interpret it, all 66 books that are in the Bible properly. Get it? Right, so we're reading this, and this text actually happened. Wow. This is the account of Abraham's son Isaac, says the scripture. Abraham became the father of Isaac. And Isaac was 40 years old when he married Rebekah, daughter of Bethuel, the Aramean from Paddan Aram and sister of Laban, the Aramean. Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was barren. She couldn't have kids. The Lord answered his prayer and his wife, Rebekah, became pregnant. Isn't that amazing? Those of you, keep praying. We don't understand lots of things about... Uh, you know, kind of fertility, and people find that so challenging. But keep praying. And those of us that know people, can we just keep praying? Because God, God answers prayer often. So she became pregnant. But listen to this. The babies jostled each within her. And she said, why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord. Do you know, my wife has carried three children, Caris, Fion, and Sarah. Only one of them was kicking and fighting all the time. Which one do you think was kicking? Fion. God called her to be a kicker. And so she was kicking in the womb. And she would literally, I kid you not, she would wake Ruth up in the night. She would, Fion would wake her up in the night. And that's continued even when she got born. She would wake us up uh, in the night because she has been called to be a kicker. Interesting that things happen in the womb that are a preparedness of what comes, isn't it? Really, really interesting. The Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb. And if you read the history, you'll see what happens as uh, both Jacob and Esau go their individual paths. And two people from within you will be separated. 
one people will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. Continues. When the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. The first to come out was red. What color was he? Oh, my word. He was red. Wow, it's unbelievable. And his wall body was covered like a hairy garment. So they named him Esau. My Bible has gone. Anybody seen my Bible? Where have I put it down? Oh, it's here. And so, uh, after this, his brother came out with his hand grasping Esau's heel. So you get this now? So Esau, the hairy one, comes out first. Red and hairy he was. Whoa. <laughs> Holding his heel, out he comes. So he was named Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when Rebekah gave birth to them. So remember that? Pointing that out, 40 to 60. So 20 years they had been waiting to have this promise fulfilled. Keep praying. The boys grew up. What did they do? They grew up. And Esau became a skillful hunter, the hairy one, probably because he couldn't be seen in the woods. Quite possibly. I'm just being real with you here. A man of open country. And Jacob was a quiet man, staying among the tents. He was a people person, and he would just be around. Isaac, who had a taste for wild game, loved Esau. But Rebekah loved Jacob. See that? Favoritism. And it's everywhere in the Bible. And you think reading the Bible, that there shouldn't be any favoritism. It's all in there. It's all in there to show us how bad it is. Please, guys, you know, if you have a particular son, don't go and name him Joseph and give him a coat of many colors and spoil him rotten and make him out from the rest. Joseph, you have a coat of many colors. You know, don't go and do that. Because we treat our children, if your parents here, with fairness, and you treat them equally, don't you? Don't you? Kids quite often come up to me and say, Dad, Dad, tell me who is your favorite? Who is your favorite? And you know what I tell them every time? I love you all just the same. And even though they want to name themselves favorite child and caress my beautiful girl and all of these kind of <laughs> phrases. Have I, showed, have I shared with you the story? Come and I'll show you my phone after. It started with Caris. Caris, when she was about uh, 11, 12 years of age, hacked my phone, hacked my iPhone, and I had an entry for Caris because when they went to comprehensive school, I would... I, it, was, it was in as Caris Morgan. Because, guys, I'm a logical, techie, practical guy. What would you enter Caris Morgan's name in the phone as? Caris Morgan. I'm not going to name a daughter because I have three. That's confusing. I named them names, so she thought she shall hitherto be called Caris. So I put it in as Caris Morgan. Makes sense. She looks at her and goes, why are you calling me Caris Morgan? So it got changed to Caris, my beautiful girl. And when Fion became Levin and she had a phone and she saw that she had been entered into my mobile phone as, because that's practical, it's logical. I named her Fion, she's Fion Morgan, Fion Morgan she shall be. What did she change it to? Fion Legend Morgan. <laughs> but I've got to say, her spelling is not that good, so when it was in the first time, it was Fion Legend Morgan. <laughs> 
<laughs> which we laughed about ever since. Until Sarah came along and Sarah was 11 and she had her phone and I dropped it in there and I named her in the phone. Because that's what you named your children. Sarah Morgan, she is Sarah, she shall be. Simple, isn't it? And what did she change it to? Sarah, favorite child. And so I've got used to Siri and everything in the car. And I was in the car the other day with Oscar, who's a good friend of mine. And just without thinking, we're driving in the car together. And I said, uh, Siri, call Caris, my beautiful girl, please. And he looks at me like this, because that's the entry in the phone. I've let them have it, because that's what they want to be named. And until the day I die, girls, that's the names you will be in my mobile phone. But they all know there are no favorites. And so what happened here for some reason is Jacob had a favorite. And, sorry, um, Rebecca had a favorite and Isaac had a favorite. Don't have favorites. We love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength and with all our might. And we love our neighbor as ourselves, no matter the color of their skin. Black, white, red, doesn't matter. We will love everybody just the same. All of us are weird. All of us are weird. Now, some of us are more weird than others. Like me. God gave me this weird brain that I've got. Don't judge me for it. Because some of you here, I'm just saying, your brain is weirder. And the thing is this, we all have difference. We all have difference in so many ways. Some of us have all of our digits. Some of us have all kinds of incredible capabilities. And there's ranges of difference. But we love everybody just the same. No matter the color of their skin. No matter their ethnicity. No matter who they are. What complexity they are. Or difficulties they are working through in life. We will love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Won't we church? But they didn't. Oh, no, because she got favorites. Now, I don't know what it is. Was it mother's heart because he's hairy and he's looking at it and we're looking at it? And you know what happens here? I'm going to share something with you here um, right now. This text is where the initial story of beauty and the beast comes from. Do you believe me? Do you believe me? Put this picture up on screen for me. Go for it. First picture. Look at this. Here he comes. Wow. That is a painting of a man called Pedro Gonzalez and his wife Catherine. And just like Esau, he suffers. What color is he? And is he clean shaven? He's hairy all over. And this picture is taken around 15, uh, this painting, sorry, is made around 1559 on the death of King Henry II. Let me tell you the story, because this formed the foundation when the person that wrote the Disney story and then the, Walt Disney and his team read this story, they thought this <coughs> shall be the amazing story of beauty, Queen Catherine, and the beast. Let me explain. You see, Henry adhered to this man. He was born in Tenerife in the early 1500s. 
Pedro Gonzalez. Google him. If you don't believe me, Google him. You see, because we read the scriptures sometimes and say, ah, oh, that's got to be a pile of rubbish. There are hundreds of people, they're not in the thousands, but there are hundreds of people that suffer from this disease or this ailment or this genetic malformation it is. There's something happens that we don't know that happens in the mother's womb. Interesting, isn't it? There's a genetic formation that happens that the follicles in the body are generated badly or differently or whatever phrase you want to call it that creates this. A hairy person that's hairy all over and the ailment or the difference is called hypotrichosis. And so in this time and in this uh, kind of time in history, it, you know, King Henry had heard about this hairy man. And so he was really inquisitive, and as they did back in those days, he went to get him. And he literally took him off the island and brought him, kept him in a cell, in a prison cell downstairs to observe him and to study him. And then during parties would bring him out and show him to everybody. And Catherine, Henry's II's wife, was fascinated by this man, thought he was some kind of beast. And in 1559, King Henry died. And after he died, she went down to the prison cells to speak to Pedro. And when she spoke to Pedro, she discovered that he wasn't a wild man. He was an educated gentleman. And he could speak and so began a relationship that they fell in love. Can you believe it? They fell in love. They had two children, and the they had four children that we read of in history. The first two children um, did not suffer with this ailment, but the second two children carried the uh, DNA through, and they also had hypotrichosis. And there are people today all over the planet, in very, very small numbers, that suffer in this way. Isn't that interesting? Have you learned something today? In fact, here's another picture. This is called the Russian dog. This is a, the first one is a painting, but this is real. This is a Russian guy that suffered with this ailment as well. And it became called in the early 17th and 18th century, started be calling as doctors would study these things, that these people weren't actually beasts. And it got called werewolf syndrome. Yeah, like, but it was full time. It wasn't just when the moon came out. This was full. Isn't that interesting? And I don't know what it's like. The power of love is a mysterious thing. Makes what? No, it is a mysterious thing, isn't it? And you can imagine a mother's love. A mother's love knows no boundaries whatsoever. And I think what happened, knowing the hardship that Esau would have, I think she put him first in an unjust way. She shouldn't have treated him any better, but she definitely shouldn't. She shouldn't have treated him any worse, but she definitely shouldn't have treated him any better. Do we all agree? All those in favor say aye. aye. Okay, let's come to a summary and we'll finish off then. So this is what happened in the text. Let's shoot back to the text and let's continue through, if you can, Lee, and then share. Esau, who had a taste for wild game, loved Esau, but Rebecca loved Jacob. Go through. Once when Jacob was cooking some stew, cowl, Cooking cowl. See, cowl is in the Bible. Esau came in from the open country famished. What was he? Famished. famished. Starving, hungry, 
Oh, he said to Jacob, quick, let me have some of that red stew. I'm famished. That is why he was also called Edom. We'll go and cover that in a second. Jacob replied, first sell me your birthright. So let me explain this to you. You see, the reason I did the cream egg exercise right at the beginning is we have got used in our society to have a custom where everyone's treated fairly. If you have three eggs, cream eggs, you just give them out one each. But there are some cultures, in fact, in royalty, you could only uh, be um, moved to the throne or inherit the throne if you were a man. And that's why I picked uh, young Emrys out and gave him all the eggs, because in times of uh, our royalty and the state system, if you're a man, it was only you that could be on the throne. We wouldn't have Queen Elizabeth as she was today. We were going to get another man in. We don't want women ruling us. That's how it was in those days. And then in these days, it was the eldest who would have been Dawn that had everything. Had the whole lot. And controversially, when Jesus shares the story of the prodigal son, in that culture where he says, give me a half of my birthright, says the younger brother and the older. That's actually really controversial in the historic times because in these times, the older brother would have it all. Now, if you were my older brother, Peter, you'd think that's a great thing. If you're the middle brother, me, you'd think that's not so cool. So Jacob replied, because Jacob is the... Uh, is the um, uh, the older brother. Uh, so Jacob replied, first sell me your ba- birthright. So it goes through here. Look, I'm about to die, Esau said, because Esau's the second one that comes out. He says, what good is the birthright to me, etc., etc." And so what happens? Jacob swear to me first on oath. So he swear to him on oath, selling the birthright to Jacob. So Jacob, who is the youngest second child, that is holding on to the uncle, as he comes out, gets what the firstborn should have had. Amazing, isn't it? And all of this happened because of all the things that had gone on with the favoritism, because the mother didn't treat the child with fairness. Changed the whole course of history as we see it today, because of unfairness and injustice. And I want to share with you three things in closing about this crazy little thing called love. This crazy little thing called love has got three, co- three components that make true love pure and holy. First off, it's unconditional. Jesus loves you, as Ruth shared on Friday night uh, here at the baptism. There's nothing you can do to make Jesus love you more. We think sometimes that we have to do things to earn our salvation book of Ephesians is quite clear when it says to us, it's not by works or righteousness that we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. Not by works, lest anyone should boast. You can't get to heaven by doing good things. So it's laying out this pattern about love. You can't earn it. But equally so, with God, you can't lose it. There's nothing you can do to make him love you more, but equally there's nothing you can do to make him love you less. You can mess up, you can turn your back on him, you can do all. He's a God of the first chance, second chance, third chance, fourth chance, fifth chance, sixth chance. He'll never give up on you. That's his reckless love. There's no mountain he'll not climb up. There's no wall he'll not kick down. You know the words... You know the words, there's nothing that will stop him recklessly and relentlessly coming after you because such is his love. 
God's love for us is unconditional. So, if the, God, if the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts, how should we love everybody else? Unconditionally. Unconditionally. Don't live the lie. You see, the lie of the world says that respect is earned. I'm going to treat others as they treat me. Uh-uh. Respect is something we give. We give it freely. You can treat me whichever way you can. You can despise me. You can hate me. But I will always respect you. I will not pick up a gun against you. I will not fight you. I will turn the other cheek. I'll defend myself. But I will not take up arms against you. You can... You can destroy me, you can gossip about me, you can try to hate me, you can do it, but I'll never give up on you. I'll pray for you because Jesus told me, love your enemies, pray for those that persecute you. I'll never give up on any of you because the love of God is in my heart and I'm duty bound whether I like it or not. Because Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Ain't any room for favorites in his church. Find somewhere else to go. Because if people come in here with red skin and hairy, and people come here with all kinds of ailments and challenges and difficulties, you come in with depression and anxiety, this church will never, ever give up on you because it's full of God's love that's shed abroad in our hearts, so we're going to love you too. Amen? Ain't many people clapping this morning. Truth hurts sometimes, doesn't it? But it's the crazy little thing called love. And we can't just box it up into like a little selfie that just we look good. God wants all of us to look good. It's unconditional. It is unchanging is God's love for us. But this is what I love the most of all. And this is the kind of love that Rebecca should have had. As the team come up and I close. It is simply this. God's love for us is unconditional. It is unchanging but it's this as well it is unmeasurable oh i love him do you do you love jesus this morning he's never gonna run out you know i got more than three cream eggs that i handed out today in fact i've got a couple more who wants a cream egg there we are make sure you're alive come on there's a few more for you and there's a few over there But you know, I could keep throwing the cream eggs. I could keep throwing love out. What's going to happen to the contents of this bag in the end? Come on in, a few of you are just still, there we are. If I kept going, I kept going. What's going to happen to that bag in the end? It's going to what? It's going to what? His love will never, ever run out. It'll never run out. So let's us reflect the love of God that never runs out. Girls, I make my promise to you on Mother's Day today again. I will love my girls and I love my wife unconditionally, unmeasurably, and when you just add whatever it is. Because I am duty bound to do it. Because I have chosen to be a disciple of Jesus. And I've decided to follow him. Will you do so too? so too so that we might become the church that love on one another passionately and love on those who come let's be fair let's live out the power of fairness in
Should we stand and sing? Come on, who the sun says This message was brought to you by ABC Church. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org or search for us on Facebook or Twitter. You can also contact us by phone on 01269 596000.